passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 191 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The sports calendar is in an incredibly exciting time right now. NFL playoffs are around the corner. The regular season's wrapping up. We have the college football national championship game coming up. NBA is in full swing. NHL is in full swing. Got boxing. We've got MMA. MLB futures are around the corner, and you can find all of this great stuff at Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information. It features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Head to betonline.ag, join today, and receive 50% on your first deposit using promo code BLEAVE. That's B L E A V to get 50% on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts with that said, episode 191. For the love of the game, let's get this work. Let's pull the two seat out, baby. It's wherever you want to go. Just to the music. This is how we do it. Episode 191 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is yours truly, Aaron Tobin Hess. We are back in the saddle, back behind the mic. First episode of 2023. Hope everybody had a great New Year's. Hope you had fun. And I'm not going to lie, it's a little weird recording right now, given what happened in last night's Monday Night Football game. We're recording on a Tuesday evening. And I I'm sure everybody knows what happened. Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, 24 years old, made a routine tackle, stood up after the tackle, then collapsed to the ground, motionless, went to cardiac arrest on the field. It's just an unbelievably horrible scene, scary, shocking. I mean, it's so out of 
the norm that anybody has played sports at any level. It's just like you can't even comprehend that stuff like this happens. I mean, these are the best conditioned people in the world, like 24 years old, cardiac arrest. Like, what are we talking about here? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. At the time of the recording, he is in the hospital. He's uh, intensive care. His heart rate was restored. He's on a, he was on um, a breathing machine, but it seems like his vitals are okay. I mean, obviously he's, he's still got a long way to go and we wish him the best. And yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, absolutely horrific to watch and um, just, just, just can't believe it. Can't believe he, you saw that on the field and and just obviously hoping for the best. And unfortunately, because the main concern is DeMar's health and they pulls through for not just himself, for his family and, and avoiding a, an unspeakable tragedy. But the discourse afterwards was naturally terrible. And I don't really want to focus on this, but I, I just have to get it off my chest because – as somebody who's entering and growing within sports media, it's just like, we just need to be better at these things, right? We just need to be better at these things. So obviously Skip Bayless has the tweet where in the immediate aftermath, it must've been like 10 minutes after, he's basically talking about how, because they postponed the game initially, they stopped the game. Then they thought that, maybe replay the game because the NFL didn't clearly know what was going on. So Skip Bayless has the tweet about rescheduling the game because this, the game between the the Bengals and, and the Bills had tremendous playoff implications. We're already in week 17. Regular season's coming down to the wire. And yeah, it was a callous tweet. The timing was bad. The wording was off. But then all of a sudden it made it sound like he was like the most evil man in the world that he basically was like, roll the guy off the field on a stretcher and just continue to play. That's not what he said, all right? And I am not a Skip Bayless fan by any means. I think the guy's a clown. I think he's tremendously talented, but I think the guy's a clown. But basically making him out to be like he was advocating that or even merely suggesting that, like, the NFL was just going to roll a dead body off the off the field and continue the game was just nuts. So then we had that, and the outrage that his tweet sparked from everybody was just so over the top. And then we had the keyboard warriors who were killing the NFL, that the NFL didn't immediately suspend the game. Because, you know, in the aftermath of something so incredibly shocking and so incredibly quick to happen, that the NFL needs to make an immediate decision two minutes later to satisfy all parties because that makes so much sense. Kudos to you, Keyboard Warrior, for typing out those tweets. And then you had Jason Whitlock, who was basically talking about how, you know, football being like the like this incredibly important fabric to, like, masculinity, he was just being ridiculous. And then you had Bart Scott talking about how it was T. Higgins' fault because T. Higgins tried to block him a certain way. Like, that was insane. And then you had the over-the-top COVID vaccine guy, which basically says that, you know, the COVID vaccine 
is 1,000% responsible for what's going on. That guy sucks too. Can there be a little bit of truth to it? Yeah, I don't really want to get into that right now, but that guy sucks. It's just everybody sucks, all right? Everybody sucks who's trying to talk about this crazy happening freak accident in a football game. It's just like everybody just shut up. Just shut up, okay? None of this matters. The only thing that matters right now is that DeMar pulls through. He seems to be a great guy. I mean, not that that makes a difference. We hoped that he would pull through anyway, but it just seems to be a great guy. He has this great foundation for toys for kids. And it's just like, obviously, we're wishing him the best. But the discourse around it was disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And everybody should just shut the fuck up sometimes. Just shut up. Anyway, anyway, what we do around here is we focus on the positives. So it's going to be a weird transition, but that's what we're going to do. Positives. The New York Giants. Playoff bound. First time since 2016. They beat. The breaks off the Colts, 38-10. to 10. Daniel Jones was sensational. Welcome back, Landon Collins with a pick six. Kayvon Thibodeau has been coming on really strong of late. Was the Snow Angels thing a little much when Nick Foles is basically lying down, you know, after he got sacked and took a massive hit? Snow Angels when Foles was slow to get up. Was that a great look? No. Was it malicious? No. He clearly had no idea what Foles' situation was, but... Anyway, Kayvon Thibodeau's coming on strong, and the New York Giants are getting healthier at the right time. Daniel Jones has gotten more and more confidence. Even the wide receivers, as depleted as they are, they're playing with more confidence. Richie James is playing well. It's really great to see, and obviously all the credit in the world goes to Brian Dable. What he has done with this roster is incredible. He's going to win the Coach of the Year, and he should. Mike Kafka... The offensive coordinator has been tremendous. Wink Martindale has been tremendous as a defensive coordinator. And then again, yeah, they're going to get Adoree Jackson back. Xavier McKinney's on his way back. Like, they're getting healthy at the right time. And if you look at the landscape of the NFC as it stands, besides for the San Francisco 49ers, if you're a Giants fan, what team scares you? Do the Minnesota Vikings scare you? No. Do the Dallas Cowboys scare you? No. Definitely not in big games. Do the Eagles scare you? I mean, the Eagles are so banged up right now that, yeah, if they were completely healthy, they would make you nervous, but they don't scare me. The only team in the NFC that scares me right now is is San Francisco. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Giants are in a really, really good spot right now. Really good spot to potentially make some serious noise in the playoffs. And if you told me that, Five months ago, I would have laughed in your face. But that's what happens sometimes in the NFL. Unexpected things happen, and that's why football fans love football the way they do. As for the New York Jets, well, they are not playoff bound. They got absolutely steamrolled in Seattle. They needed to win to stay alive. It seems like the pixie dust on Mike White is finished. I know he's had hurt ribs, but... Seems very evident what I said earlier a couple of weeks ago when he was on his hot streak that Mike White is not the long-term solution at quarterback for the New York Jets. 
it will be interesting to see if they go solve it via the draft. I think they're going to try and bring in like a stopgap veteran, like a Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo. That's how I think they're going to do it. But Mike White is not the long-term answer. He's a good backup. But the Jets need to figure out the quarterback situation. And it's crazy because Joe Douglas has basically done everything else right. Yeah, he missed on a couple of free agents. The Corey Davis thing didn't work out. But for the most part, he's built a really nice roster. But you got to figure out the quarterback position. And Salah will be back. Joe Douglas will be back. They'll probably have a playoff mandate. But it's funny. I, I was being chirped by the Jets fans in my life. And again, I bet the Jets season totals under. I thought they were going to win five games. They exceeded that. But when they were six and three, Jets fans were getting very, very excited. And the Jets are basically going to lose out. So congratulations to the Jets. Some talented pieces, but they're going home. Quickly around the NFL, other things. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are scorching hot. Four straight wins, and if they win against Tennessee Saturday night, they're going to the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the playoffs. Wild, absolutely wild. After the Urban Meyer experience, to be flipped like this is tremendous. Trevor Lawrence has been awesome, and I'm pulling for the Jaguars. If they win Saturday night and they are in the 4-5 matchup, I know that they're going to be underdogs their first week. And I'm going to really look hard right now. I can tell it already. I'm going to look hard into betting the Jacksonville Jaguars first weekend of the playoffs. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. A team that I thought it, the run was going to come to an end for the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of going above 500. Tomlin has never had a losing season. And they have a chance. They have a chance on Sunday. If they win this weekend, they are going to be above 500. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how great a coach he is. Exceedingly underrated. Just just the professional in every single way. Uh, three. So Aaron Rodgers is going to do this again, right? So we're doing this again with Aaron Rodgers that basically the Packers win and they're in after starting out three and six. The fact that they could potentially be a playoff team. And I have a 49ers fan in my life. Shout out Scott Katz, a friend of the program, who is incredibly scared that if the 49ers have to play the Green Bay Packers in the first round, that Green Bay can upset them. I don't think he has anything to worry about because I think the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl, and I think it's going to be pretty pretty seamless. But still, the fact that Aaron Rodgers has them in position to make the playoffs again is crazy. I hope the Lions win. I'm hoping for the Lions to win and for Seattle to lose somehow against the Rams, and then Detroit gets it because that would be awesome. And lastly, the Miami Dolphins. Ah, uh, what, what a fall from grace the Miami Dolphins have had in the last couple of weeks. I mean, Tua out with a concussion. Teddy Bridgewater, who was serviceable enough to beat the Patriots on Sunday, winning the Dolphins were in, but he gets knocked out of the game with a hand injury. The Patriots come back to win, and now the Dolphins are looking at potentially starting 
Skylar Thompson in a important game to try and make the playoffs. Just, I know Dolphins fans talk about how tortured they are. Just incredibly, incredibly tortured season for the Miami Dolphins. So last week we were three and two in picks against the spread. This is the last week of the regular season, so we're going to go out on a bang. Hopefully, right now we are one game above 500 for the year, which is absolutely wild. So first game we're going to go to Saturday night. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Jacksonville minus six and a half. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I am riding this Jaguars thing. I absolutely love everything about the Jaguars right now, and I'm going to take them minus six and a half. Two, I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders plus seven and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. The, Ch the Raiders are home. Home underdogs generally have done well against the spread, and the Chiefs have had trouble covering big numbers. So I'm going to take the Raiders plus the seven and a half. Three, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers minus two and a half over the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand why this is only a two and a half point line. I think the Steelers' defense is really good. I think Kenny Pickett has given them a spark. I think they found something with him. Deshaun Watson, like, why are we giving them respect? That's crazy. I mean, is he going to go off for 300 yards and three TDs? Yeah, maybe next year, but not right now. He's not ready for that yet. So I got Pittsburgh minus two and a half at pick three. Four. I've got the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half against the New Orleans Saints. I think the interim coach for Carolina is good. Sam Darnold has shown some things. Both those guys, Steve Wilkes and Sam Darnold, are basically playing for their jobs. I think they can actually win outright against the Saints. I got Carolina plus three and a half in New Orleans. And at five, I've got the Los Angeles Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. I got the Rams plus six and a half. I think Sean McVay has one more tough game in him. This year, I think he wants to stick it to Pete Carroll, and I think that number's too high. Seattle has been incredibly disappointing. I know if they win, they're in, but I think Seattle has been disappointing, and I just think the number's too high. So to recap, we have Vegas plus 7.5 against Kansas City, Jacksonville minus 6.5 against the Tennessee Titans, the Steelers minus 2.5 against the Cleveland Browns, the Panthers plus three and a half against the New Orleans Saints and the Rams plus six and a half against Seattle in Seattle. All those lines are brought to you by Bet Online, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. So tonight's guest, we're going to have a recurring guest to talk about NBA all-star selections because we're almost at the midway point of the year. But one quick thing about the NBA right now, even though this season it doesn't seem like there's one dominant team right now. Like the Celtics have been at the top of the standings, but they've scuffled. They had a terrible loss tonight against Oklahoma City without Shea Gilders-Alexander. They lost by 30 points. Like, that's crazy. Milwaukee, I know they won against Washington tonight, but they've basically been struggling. They've essentially been a little bit above 500 since starting out 9-0. The West is topsy-turvy. I mean, no team has really separated itself 
from the pack. And normally the way, you know, the NBA works is there's a short list of like three to four teams that have legit title chances. But right now, if you look at the league, there's more than that. Milwaukee, Boston, you have to put the Nets there right now. They've won 12 straight games. Cleveland has a puncher's chance. And then you go out west, Denver. The Golden State Warriors still, they've won five straight, even though they started out slow and they can't win on the road, but they've won five straight. looks like they're figuring it out, even without Steph Curry. Memphis, the Pelicans, we'll see what happens with Zion Williamson. He pulled a hamstring last night. You don't like to see that. So the point is, is that the NBA is as wide open as it's ever been in terms of a title favorite. But what makes this season so fun is that if you look at the top talent in this league right now, it is outrageous. Night in and night out, we have seen incredible performances. I mean, the box score stuffing of the stars right now is is nuts. I mean, just look at last night. And I know it got overshadowed by the DeMar Hamlin situation, but Joel Embiid had 42 and 12. And it was just like, oh, we're not even going to talk about that. Clay Thompson in double overtime had 54 points. 54 points. He shot 21 threes. Was 10 of 21 from three. 20. One for 39 for the game, 54 points. You just saw Luka Doncic go for 60, 20, and 10 not that long ago. Nikola Jokic had a 40, 15, and 15 spot. Giannis tonight, and this game just wrapped up before we started recording, had a 55, 10, and 7 spot. And that wasn't even the most impressive game in the last 10 days because last night, Donovan Mitchell had 71 points, 11 assists, and like seven rebounds in overtime. And that 71 points all came within the flow of the game. Like, he wasn't gunning. It wasn't like Devin Booker's 70-point performance against Boston where he was clearly going for it. And I'm not saying that Devin Booker shouldn't have gone for it that night. The Suns were bad. They were losing whatever. Go for it. But Mitchell, all his points were were very much needed, very much needed. They were down 21 points at one point. Donovan Mitchell had 16 points in the first half. He finished with 71. He had 55 points in the second half in overtime. And he executed the missed free throw, follow your own shot, get a bucket to tie the game, to put the game into overtime like Luka did against the Knicks. What was it, a week ago? 71 points. He accounted for 99 of his team's points. Second only to Wilt Chamberlain all time. Absolutely bonkers. Bonkers. And of course, of course, I couldn't enjoy any of it because for the fact that the Knicks actively dropped the ball in not trading for him this summer and it drives me crazy to the point where I threw a remote control from my couch to the TV, I'm shocked I didn't break anything. Just wild. An absolutely wild stat line. The top-end talent in this league is as deep 
and as great as it's ever been. And then you look at even the middle tier guys. The shot making of these guys now is nuts. Like everybody complains about lack of defense in the NBA. Watch the games. Watch the games. These guys make shots that like you can't even believe. You can't even believe the shot making. It's like every every time you get a stop is like a minor miracle. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I just every night, every night you're just in awe. And I just mentioned like Joel Embiid at 42 and 12. Hold on. No one even talked about it. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. What a season it's been. What a season it's been. I mean, Tatum's had a night. Giannis has nights. Luca, Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Booker's had some crazy nights. Jokic, just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to make all-star selections. We're going to talk to him about that. And I wanted to get his take on the New England Patriots and where they are as a franchise. We'll talk to him in just a matter of moments. I mentioned in the monologue, we're continuing with the positivity train. Got recurring guest Avi Wexler back on. Avi, what's good, buddy? How you doing? First guest of 2023, on, by the way. Hey, happy new year. I don't know how much longer we get to keep saying that for, but happy to be back on. Uh, Maybe a happy, healthy year for you, your family, everybody. And just let's get right back into it. It's the best part of the year. We got sports galore. Amen. Amen. We wanted to do all-star selections for the NBA because it's getting close to the halfway mark. We're going to be talking about all-star. The buzz is coming up already. But I wanted to ask you about your Patriots. This is a bad Patriots team that has a chance to win and get in on Sunday. You were at the game against the Raiders where it had the lateral play. You've seen this Patriots team all year. Mac Jones is definitely a topic of conversation. Um, where's your head at with this Patriots team right now? Really is just get Matt Patricia out of my life. Just fire him into the sun. I don't know what you have to do with him. Send him to Guantanamo Bay, send him to Siberia, send him to Ukraine for all I care. I just can't have him running the offense anymore. This was a team last year under the Josh McDaniels offense with a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones and arguably a worse offense that ended up being sixth in the league in points per game. Now they're like in like the thirties. I think they have the 32nd ranked red zone offense, which is incredible to think about considering how useful they had guys like Hunter Henry, who's basically irrelevant at this point, scoring like 10 touchdowns. Damien Harris took a backseat to Ramondre Stevenson, who's, been amazing this year, but has clearly shown some signs of regression as the year's gone on. Clearly the load has been too much on him. The offensive line has been horrendous by all counts. And your former head coach, Joe Judge, isn't anything to uh, to help either. No, no, he's not. He is not. Offensive line coach. I, I, I don't know. Going into the season, we were like, okay, Mac led the team to 10-7, and seven, had was the best rookie quarterback of the draft class last year, right, because of how bad the Lawrence – uh, season was under Urban Meyer. Justin Fields looked completely lost. Zach Wilson looked bad, still does look bad. And then Trey Lance also didn't really play at all either. So looking at the rest of the class, it was like, okay, Mac Jones, you know, he may not be lighting the world on fire, but had a pretty solid rookie season. I think set some rookie numbers uh, records, which I think coincided with the fact that they added an extra game to the schedule, but still by all means. And they throw the ball more now than they, than they do, you know, right. 20, 30 years ago, but whatever. Also true. But all, yeah. So all, all things considered, 
good offense, a lot to build on from last year. And there was really just, okay, like we just need to fix the defense. It seemed that in the off season, defense got completely revamped and they added players to the draft free agency guys got better. Like Josh Uche, Matt Judon, uh, Dietrich wise, like the front four has been loads better. Juwan Bentley, a a great linebacker. And then some of the guys that Belichick drafted really hit on some of these no name guys. Some of these guys in later rounds, like Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, Kyle Duggars, is playing himself as a pro bowl safety guys like that. It's been a great defense, but the issue is the offense just can't move the ball. And everybody is saying it, whether they're former players, whether they're guys in the media, people like Dan Orlovsky going on every Sunday or Monday, playing armchair quarterback, seeing like, what are these route concepts? Where are these plays going? Why are you running back-to-back screen passes, both right and left? Like you're basically playing peewee style offense. So I don't really have any hope for this team merely making the playoffs. I know that everything that happened with the Bills on Sunday is a little bit of a, of a scary topic, and we don't know how the Bills are going to come out in that game, but I, I don't trust them either to win that game on Sunday, or even if they do when they make the playoffs to really make a dent unless they play the team like, I guess, maybe the Jaguars. The defense is great, but the offense just can't move at all when they need to. Would you rather them not make the playoffs and get a better pick, or would you rather the playoff game? It's hard because as a fan, you're like, oh, I want the team to be in the playoffs. But I mean, I've seen what good Patriots football is like in the playoffs, and I've seen bad both before Brady, both before Brady was gone and since Brady's been gone. Uh, I just know that whoever they play in the playoffs, like they're not going to be playing well. I'd rather just see them at this point be gone because I'm worried that if they make it into the playoffs and then it's a bit of a close game, then the Patriots are going to look at their themselves internally and be like, okay, like, hey, we made the playoffs and we almost won first round game like we could run it back just as is and I, I don't think that's a good recipe considering how poorly uh they've been playing do I think Mac is the answer I don't know I think he just had a really bad hand and just is not the most talented quarterback who can like lift his team around him like a Josh Allen a Joe Burrow a Justin Herbert Patrick Mahomes can because he's more physically limited than those guys but that being said like there really wasn't much that he could go with because of how inept uh the offensive coaching has been all year wouldn't you appreciate it, though, if he would stop acting like a little bit of a crybaby and a little bit of a bitch constantly? Like, he throws a lot of temper tantrums for a guy who I'm not sure has built up enough equity to throw temper tantrums. I, I get that, but I can understand where he's at because of how bad the season's been. Where, I mean, just speaking from being at that Raiders game, there was the one drive where they somehow I guess got it at one point to the goal line and they had a couple of nice plays to get to the goal line. And then all of a sudden false start. Then the Patriots call a timeout on a play that on their own play that where they actually did score a touchdown and then, uh, and then a holding play. And then it ends up, and then they end up not getting any, or they end up getting three points out of it. It's just, I understand where Max frustration is because he's played at Alabama under Nick Saban. Uh, and then he played last year under Bill Belichick with Josh Mayo. So there, there's a lot of good offensive minds surrounding him for last year and the year before, or the, and, and the year before that, I guess, in Alabama. And I don't, I don't really fault him for being upset. And I'm okay with quarterbacks being passionate. I'd rather have a guy be upset. At the yeah, but you got to lead a team, though. You, you can't be sure. pitching sure. out your teammates when you haven't done enough to earn that right. Like Tom Brady can do that. All right, because sure. people are going to listen to Tom Brady. Mac Jones cannot do that. I, but I think you have to as the quarterback. You have to be the voice regardless because, I don't know, like, do you go, do you, like, Brock Purdy's in the same boat. Like, what equity is Brock Purdy built up? 
he should be able to bitch at guys. When you're the quarterback, you're the most important position on the team. And arguably in all sports, like you have to hold guys accountable because you're quarterbacking the team, right? I, I get that there are other that there are better ways to do it, but I don't blame him for being pissed at the coaches because the coaching has been horrible. I understand where he's frustrated at. Would you want him to be the quarterback next year? Yeah, I think on a rookie deal you have to. Um, duh, and I don't know if there's a quarterback in this draft that I would take over him just because I, I, I don't know how well that translates. And it seems like if you're going to bail on him, I don't really know how much better he or worse some of these other quarterbacks are in the draft, like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. Like maybe you take the chance on them again. I mean, the Cardinals did that with Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray, but how much do you really love Kyler Murray? Like, yes, he's clearly better than Josh Rosen, but yeah. Well, they also may be boxed into a corner just because of their cap situation with all like the money to John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, that whole spending spree. But maybe that's coming off the books right now. I'm not 100% sure. It is. It is, it is coming off the books. They're, they're supposed to have like, I think closer to like 50, 60 million coming uh, around in cap money. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with that in terms of either building up skill players around them, locking up some of their cornerstone defensive guys, or maybe making a splash and signing uh, a quarterback like, I don't know, Derek Carr's available. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's available. I, I'm not loving either of those guys, but I, I think Carr is probably what Mac Jones' ceiling is. And he comes with a higher cost, but. You know, if, if you're not sure that Mac is it, then I guess you got to rip the band-aid. But the biggest problem has been just since Brady's gone, there hasn't really been a succession plan in place. And I'm not buying into the Jared Stidham hype either because that was just, you know, a good moment for him. Oh, so you're saying the guy who was the quarterback for, what was it, close to 20 years covered up a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, holes. You're saying he covered up a lot of um, inadequacies oh, from a certain – coach and uh, GM that uh, maybe they shouldn't have tried to uh, force him out the door, but whatever. All right. That's not really why I brought you on. I wanted to get a quick Patriots talk, but I'm loving the fact that the Patriots are kind of in disarray and have basically become the New York Jets. It's wonderful to me. I wanted to bring you on to talk about NBA and we're going to make our all-star selections. But before one quick question on uh, the NBA. When you hear old guys talk about the NBA, that there is no defense played anymore, does, does a part of you get a little annoyed? Because if you watch these games up and down the league, whether it's the top guys who are as good as ever and the average to below average guys are better than the average to below average guys were back then, the skill level is insane top to bottom, right? The shot making is insane. Like, do you just like get a little annoyed because these guys who say that clearly don't seem to watch the games. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's just old. I think that's just like the old talking heads being like back in my day, you know, like they're, they're like, Oh, like it was so much harder that I'm like, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, like the guys who are coming in now, are better there's better overall athletes like yes there are obviously unicorns but it's not even just the athletes it's it's the the shot making skills these guys have developed it's sick yeah it's i mean like how like how i don't know a single guy from back then who could really like seriously defend Nikola Jokic. i don't know how you do it the guy is so smart and he just makes impossible shots or diagnoses plays so quickly he dissects the defense so quickly that as soon as he gets the ball he's like 
okay, I'm going to run the offense through here or I'm going to create a shot. And there just isn't really a way you can stop him. There's, I don't really know how people would be able to stop Giannis either. Like this was a problem the teams had with Shaq. There's just, there are big guys and then there are skilled guys. As you were saying before, the shot making is better now than it ever has been. Everybody, everybody is like a Ray Allen when it comes to shooting a three, just catch and shoot three, catch and shoot three. That's how guys are making their careers now. And just, it doesn't matter if you're Isaiah Joe or Joe Johnson. Like guys are just making shots. But now. it's not just that. It's it's the the shooting threes, the sidesteps off the dribble. Like yeah. you know, so many of these guys have that. Like even like the average players that are like mid level exception guys, they have this too. Yeah, I, I have to say, like it's definitely the game has gotten better even in the last few years because remember when they got rid of the um, the the James Harden foul rule yeah i think that was better I, I, do i think that if, if, if officiating changes that guys could bump a little bit more and get more physical yes although i think like they kind of does they kind of do already let that go in the playoff in the playoff games like i i don't remember the last time a playoff game was basically just foul calls up and down the floor like they let teams kind of go at it in playoff games and those get more physical and that's where you kind of see where the better teams come out i i don't agree with the notion that old school basketball is better just because as you said before, the skill level is so good top to bottom I mean, like the fact that we haven't, that the league hasn't expanded to 32 teams to me is crazy. Well, I that, mean, that's coming. That's coming. That's, and, that's I think, coming. and once they do that, I think that'll be better for the league because right now you just have so many guys who are stuck at like the eighth man rotation. That could be a sixth man or a fifth man. You know, it's just, there's, there's that level of skill in the NBA where it's never been better. Like, I don't know, five years ago, if I had asked you, once LeBron is gone, who's going to be the next face of the league? I would have been like maybe Durant, but like now, like looking now, like the league is in very good hands. The league is in incredibly good hands. You have a bunch of young guys, skilled, hardworking, fun, and it's just top and bottom around the league. Bad teams have good players. Good teams have great players. It's just, it's fun. It's a good time to be an NBA fan. Really good time to be an NBA fan. I know obviously a lot of things got overshadowed Monday night with what happened in the football game, but Joel Embiid had 42-12. and 12. Yep. Ho-hum. No one even Ho-hum. spoke about it. <laughs> Clay Thompson put up 21 three-point attempts in a double overtime game against the Hawks where they won. Was 21 of 39 for 54 points. And then Donovan Mitchell had the craziest game of the year where he scored 71 and they were all in rhythm, and he wasn't gunning. It wasn't like Devin Booker against the Celtics a couple of years ago. Like, it was all in rhythm, and he needed all of those points. He accounted for, because he had 11 assists too, he accounted for 99 total points, which is the second most in NBA history. And then last night, Giannis goes for 55, 10, and 7, and that wasn't even the best game or the second best individual performance in the last 10 days. Like, this is nuts. I was about to say, you failed to mention the Luka 60-20-10 and 10 Oh, well, I talked about that on last show. I basically had a mental breakdown because, <laughs> of course, it happened against the New York Knicks. But Donovan Mitchell pulled the same thing. Yeah. He pulled it's, the it's same so, thing. The missed free throws. Crazy. It's crazy also because I feel like, and you could speak to it as a Knicks fan, but if Donovan Mitchell were a Knick, the second-point game would have been, like, a 30-for-30. 30 30. It would have been greater than, like, Linsanity. It would have been the best New York sports story of a decade. You know, it's like... Well, now, now you're striking a chord, as I've said multiple times. I even said it on the um, on the monologue. I mean, I can't even enjoy 
a fun Cavs team because every single day something reminds me that the Knicks dropped the ball here and it makes me so incredibly mad, irrationally mad, like it's a sickness. I couldn't enjoy that game. I threw a remote control. <laughs> My teams weren't even playing. I threw a remote control. I was so mad. I've been bitter about this for months. Yeah. It's awful. It's fucking awful. Anyway, all right. So let's let's get to the all-star selections. We're gonna do full roster. Full roster, starters, reserves. Uh, for those who don't know, it's 12 players. Starters are guard, guard, three front court players. Then, you know, seven wild cards. So we're going to start with you in the Eastern Conference, your two starting guards. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned him just a second ago, uh, and he's right now, I guess, the bane of your Knicks fan, but I think uh, Mitchell certainly uh, is, is my uh, first guard there, uh, you know, averaging 29, 5, and 4. Uh, he's just He's taken the Cavs to another level. I think clearly and you would agree with that as well. Uh, yes. Easily uh, now like putting his name. If he, I don't think he's going to continue on a 70-point pace, but if he keeps averaging 29 to 30, I know other guys are scoring plus, but at least in the East, he's, he's definitely a candidate for, uh, for, for first-team All-NBA. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to go well, back? Well, that's going to depend on how many games like – Curry sure. plays and, sure. and, you know, there are, there are a couple of guys like Curry, Morant, like all Mitchell, like they're all in the mix for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he's been the best guard in the East. No question. Yeah. And then I, I guess, so he, I think he's my number one. I don't really have any questions about that. I would say as much as I hate him uh, for several reasons, I, the way that Kyrie uh, has been playing with the Nets, you might have to slot him in at that too. Um I mean, he's averaging 26, 5, and 5. Nets have been on a tear recently. I think they have the second best record in the East, if not the if not the third best. Uh, I mean, what he adds to the what he adds to the game of basketball on the court is just it's mesmerizing. And I I feel like right now those are probably the two best guards in the East. I'd take the, I'd take both of them over uh, Trey Young, um, definitely over well, Rosen. Well, I don't I don't have Trey Young in my top 12 at all. I actually don't have Kyrie Irving on my top 12 at all. Also fair. Uh, also fair. Um, my guards are obviously Donovan Mitchell, number one, um, yep. as sad as that is. And my second starting guard, I'm giving it to Tyrese Halliburton. Ooh, that's a great – I really like that pick. That's a, fan, that's a fan favorite pick right there. Tyrese Halliburton for a team that I think we both agreed was going to be boring as sin – we both didn't think that they were going to win a lot of games. And they're right now a top six team in the East. Mm-hmm. And he's been sensational. He's been absolutely sensational. Do you think that Jalen Brown would also vie for that second spot? Uh, so, yes. I, I, Yeah, he was my runner-up. He yeah. was my runner-up because he should be guard eligible, right? He is guard eligible if you yeah, look I'm at the ballot. Right now he's guard eligible. So, he would be my runner-up, but... I have Tyrese Halliburton, and you're uh, now the front court for the East. You've got four guys going for three slots for the starters, and you can make an argument that four of these guys are four of the six best players in the entire league. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Who are the three that are going to be starting for you, and who is going to be on the bench? Uh, I'm going to go no doubters, uh, Giannis, and uh, I'm going to go no doubter Giannis uh, in the front court. Uh, Next no doubter for me would be Tatum. Uh, I mean, just those two guys being uh, right now the leading candidates, I think, in the East for MVP. Uh, Right after that, I guess it's a toss between Durant and Embiid, but the way that it's playing right now, I'd probably go with Durant just because of uh, Embiid uh, missed a few more games, I think, if if I'm correct. Uh, And I think that what Durant's doing on the two-way at a at a two way pace is better than what Embiid's doing in the in a as a defensive player, I guess. Like right now, I'd say Durant's defense has been probably a more impactful part of his game as opposed to the offense because that that Nets team doesn't really have a great defense outside of him and uh, and Simmons, in my, at least in my opinion. Well, Nick Claxton's played well for them, but the craziest yes. thing about what you just said about Durant is Durant is averaging basically twenty eight points a game and shooting fifty six percent from the field. Like yeah. it's wild and he's yeah. shooting mid-range jumpers like this isn't just you know dunks at the rim like this mm-hmm. is Durant's having a crazy season yeah. uh and Joel Embiid's leading the league in scoring <laughs> like and he's a two-way monster I I I didn't know what to do here I mean I went Giannis Durant and Embiid there only because I think just just the seniority of it with Durant that was really it but it, it's like splitting hairs, like goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. How can you pick three? Yeah, How it's crazy. I mean, this, is, this is what we ran into last year. We were talking about the all NBA teams and the NBA, like where it was like, how do you pick between Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic? Like, it's just like it, one of them has to go out, and it's just like it shouldn't have to be this way. It should just be the five best players. But if we're going to play by the rules, then, you know, then, I, then it, at least by me, it's Durant over Embiid by a hair. Maybe that's just my Celtics bias, but. I don't know. I, I guess based on how well, uh, if, if you want to start Tatum, that's not unwarranted. I mean, that's no. Yeah. I mean, he came out of the, the Celtics came out of the gates blazing. I know they're like 500 in the last like 16 games or so, but like, I don't know. He's still fifth in the league in scoring. I know Embiid's like right now I'm looking second behind Luca because Luca can't go right. without scoring like 50 points a night. Um, but yeah, yeah he I, aver- Luca averaged 45, 10 and 11 for a week. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah. What are we talking yeah. about here? It's and by the way, to your, to your point, by the way, we didn't even talk about it, that Tyrese Halberton is leading the league in assists. Uh, yeah. Over, over, he's, he's averaging over 10 a game. I mean, I think he's shooting 50, 40, 90 splits. Like, the, like he's having a crazy season. And he's fourth in the league in steals per game, too. He's at, he's at about two steals per game. So he, I mean, he definitely, definitely uh, a, a starter, if not uh, just on the bench or reserve kind of guy. And I, I think everybody would like to play with him, too. I, he's like clearly an unselfish guy. And a guy who like wants to play. So like, yeah, why you got to reward that. So, okay. So that brings us to the reserves. Um, your seven reserves for the Eastern conference. You, they, you're generally supposed to pick two front court, two back court, and then three wild cards. How did you go about taking your reserves? Obviously Embiid is going to be one of them. Yep. So uh, who, are your, who are your other uh, six? So I guess so. So I guess the other six then are. You said it's two uh, two front court guys on the reserve. Two three? front court, two back court, and then three wild cards. Okay. Yeah. So I would say um, from the east, and I'm just pulling it up here. Yeah, uh, Embiid is one of the reserves. Um, I would probably put 
uh, Trey Young because he's still like he's still averaging twenty eight and ten. Um, I would probably go with Siakam too. I know that the mm. the Raptors have been a bit shaky, but he's averaging twenty seven seven and eight. I mean, like that's pretty good. I, I I'm not really as impressed with the East bench. I, I feel like it's a very much top five, top six heavy. And then from there, there's a big drop off. Like I'm not voting for Bradley Beal. You know, I, not he wasn't giving, on my list either. I'm not giving Zach Levine a nod. I'm not really nope. going to give, not going to give Harden a nod. Chris stops. Maybe like, it's been kind of, he's been, they, their records falling off. Yeah. If you, if you talk to me three weeks ago, yeah, I would have had Chris stops on there, but yeah. Uh, so I would say, God, this is tough. Yeah, I would say, uh, Giannis, Tatum, Mitchell, Durant, and uh, Jalen Brown are my starters. Then I guess I would go Kyrie off the bench. That's one. Uh, Embiid is two, or whatever. I mean, interchange them there. Um, I I don't want to give DeRozan any nods here. This is tough. I, I, yeah, I'd stick with Siakam. Uh, I'm not going to give it to your to your least favorite player of all time, Julius Randle. Um, God, yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of stuck after that. <laughs> Even I don't I don't think as well as as Ben Caro started off the season. I wouldn't give it. No, to no, no. Come on. No, and not a serious conversation there. I know. I, it's. God. I don't know. I I'm kind of stuck. I I. He, he, so I'll, I'll, I'll frame it. I'll, yeah. I'll give you what I did because I basically, you have to have an above 500 record right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's my thing. Like you have to be seriously in the mix. So Trey Young, your teammates hate you. No, no thanks. Kyrie, you're not getting the nod because you're a knucklehead. You haven't played enough games and, you know, uh, for other reasons, you're not getting the nod. So I, I went Jalen Brown. And Drew Holiday were my first two guards. Okay. I'm, reward, I'm rewarding winning. Then I went Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo for my forward spots, my front court spots. And then for the last three, I went Darius Garland. Okay. Two guys I don't really enjoy very much, but I got to hand it to him. James Harden. Okay. And Julius Randle. Julius <laughs> Randle is having a crazy season. Uh-huh. I think it's empty calorie stats. Sure, sure. I would trade him tomorrow. But in the Knicks' defense, as up and down as they've been, their record is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And he's been great. So... It either had to be him or Brunson. I think the Knicks have been good enough to deserve one guy. Sure. So I'm going to give the nod to Julius Randle only because I wanted to reward Darius Garland with a spot because uh, he's awesome and the Cavs are fourth in the East. So those are my seven. Uh, so, again, my starters are Mitchell and Halliburton, Giannis, Durant, and Bede. Oh, wait. Hold on one second. I got to knock somebody off. All right. Sorry, Julius Randle. I totally forgot about Jason Tatum. Okay, so Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Butler, Bam, Garland, Harden, Jason Tatum. 
So you're going to put Butler on there. I feel like Butler, I mean, what is he averaging? Like he's averaging like 21 and six and seven. I, I'm just not as impressed with him only because I know that he doesn't really value the regular season as well. And I know that the all-star game and the all-star awards aren't the most important thing, but like this stuff does matter. Like at the end of the day. And I feel like he doesn't take it as seriously as guys, even on his other team. Like I, I understand the BAM pick, but like, would you not give it to Tyler Hero over Jimmy at this point? Or is it just the name thing? I think Jimmy Butler is one of the 10 best players in the NBA. That's fair. So, and, and it's not like he's not playing, right? I know he hasn't played a bunch, but I think by the end of it, he'll have the games played. And it's not like he's not putting up numbers. And so I just, I value what that guy does. I just think he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah I, I agree with the gar. I, you you had Garland on there. I don't. Hate I did. At all um, thoughts on, I guess having a guy like DeRozan on there. Like, are you a are tough, you, cut. tough but cut? But the Bulls I mean, are seventeen and twenty or something like that. Like yeah. at a certain point, you have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's very fair. And and so you're choosing Randall over Brunson. If one Nick was going to go, I would choose Randall only because only because of the other guards in the East, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to reward Drew Holiday. I wanted to reward Garland. Yeah. Um, Harden, listen, I would love to not have Harden on there and ever reward Harden, but when he's come back, they've been really good, and the Sixers are quietly creeping up in terms of record in the Eastern conference. So that those are my, those are my uh, selections. Butler will probably go off for an injury. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll be an injury yeah. replacement and Julie Randall will take his spot. What about Brooke Lopez? Who's giving a lot of DPOY buzz. I just think Bam is a better player. So if he had to go back up center, I just think Bam is the better player. Yeah. I, I guess I, sometimes I have trouble like kind of, separating all-star game from all NBA votes. But I feel like when you do all NBA voting, it's kind of, or all-star voting, it's kind of like at the halfway point, these are the guys who I think will end up being in the all NBA conversation. And that, and that's where I'm like trying to, I'm struggling with, okay, well, does the defensive player of the year not necessarily get on the all NBA voting? I mean, it happens, you know, happens all the time, but like, do you think, I guess it comes down to who are your top 12 or 15 guys in the league and, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm with you there. I probably wouldn't change anything. Um, and oh, like, nice. as frustrating as Harden is, uh, I mean. There's no one who doesn't want to give Harden any credit more than me. I <laughs> yeah. never want to give the guy credit. But I'm as unbiased as it is, he's got to go. I mean, my tough cuts were DeRozan, Siakam. I mean, I think Randall will get on eventually. I mean, Jalen Brunson, if there was one guard who was going to get knocked off, he'd probably take the guard spot. But the Knicks can't get two guys being 20 and 18. I'm sorry. That can't happen. And I just – I think based on the makeup of the East and how it looks, I just think Randall is an easier choice, even though I think Brunson is clearly more important to what the Knicks do than Randall is. But – but Randall's had a crazy year. Even yeah, if yeah. I even if I poo-poo it, he's had a crazy year. I, and I think I think a part of this also is why we're both struggling with it. I think is because some of the guards on some of these Eastern teams, especially in the younger side, have just have kind of struggled. Like I don't know, you and I had big expectations for Cade, 
Uh, and then I guess because he's been out, he's now out for the year like that, you know, obviously went kaput. Uh, LaMelo Ball has probably just missed too many games, really. Yep. Uh, and there really just hasn't. And then, like, as nice as Ben Carroll was to start the season, as we said before, like, he, he's Missed not, too like, many games and he's a rookie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they're not, they're not good enough. They're not good enough yet to justify his selection. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and do the Western Conference. All right. So we're back. Quick break, but we're back. So now we're going to move over to the Western Conference, where actually I think the injury bug of late is kind of going to shape this one a little bit. I mean, I put out my picks before there were a couple of injuries. Um, and it seems like one guy who's in the mix, Steph Curry, is almost on his way back. So mm-hmm. without further ado, Avi, uh, you're starting backcourt in the Western Conference. Backcourt or frontcourt, sorry. Backcourt. Starting backcourt in the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Luca number one. Uh, I mean, if there was ever a time to knock uh, Jokic off the MVP, I think Luca has the best case for it. Uh, I mean, he's just been playing out of his mind. Unanimous, just night in, night out. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I really don't get it. He just strikes the fear of God in me every time I see him play. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anybody who would overtake him for the one slot. Uh, I would take him number one at the at, in the backcourt, and then I would also take uh, SGA uh, as my second starting guard. Mm. yeah okay all right so i actually tried to finagle this a little bit i tried to get luca as a front court player but i don't think he's eligible yeah so, I'm, looking, I'm looking on nba.com they only he's have not a, as a guard. he's not yeah. eligible so i am going to switch it up a little bit i'm going to go luca Doncic, and i am going to give the nod to steph curry okay Steph Curry at the second guard spot. John Morant had a case. SGA had a case. A lot of dudes had a case. Uh, But ultimately, Steph Curry, when he gets back, I think he'll have enough games played and uh, he should get in. I I, I agree with you there. The only reason I didn't is because I just wasn't sure about the games played and if that factors in. um, It was mainly the reason. I I, I have Steph in my reserve only because of that. So who are your three front court starters? Um, I would say it's obviously Jokic, uh, Paul George, and who else did I have here? Well, I, I had I had Davis and I had Zion kind of battling for those two spots, but with both of them going out with injuries, I kind of really like the the DeMar DeRozan uh, shocker pick of the year. That's going to be Laurie Markkinen for me as a starter. Yeah, I really, I really like what I've seen from him. I know wow. he's like, well, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, you can give it to LeBron, understandable. I think Davis and Zion getting injured right now, they're both missing the game anyway, so there's not even a point of voting for them. Uh, Booker classifies as a guard. Anthony Edwards has been disappointing. But, like, if you, if there was, I, I think because Zion and, and Davis are out, and because LeBron's going to be on it no matter what, I just want to be kind of be fun and pick marketing who's just been leading a really fun, exciting jazz team where we all thought they were tanking completely for women Yama. And, you know, who's been more, who's had a more impressive season, LeBron age 38, averaging 29, six and eight, or. Uh, Running like for a, stats, not playing a lick of defense and not winning any games. Right. Or Laurie Markkinen, who's like 20, who has 24 and nine and is like actually making the jazz like an exciting team. Like I, I'd give the nod to 
to marketing. Uh, I, a- I absolutely love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Um, any LeBron shade is welcome here. Um, <laughs> I actually have LeBron starting. Yeah. Uh, I have LeBron, Zion, and Jokic starting. Yeah, um, I mean, totally fair. Zion's probably not going to play by the time it rolls. Er, right, but yeah, but, but yeah. I made the selection before he got hurt last night. It seemed yeah. no, it was last night. Yeah, with the hamstring. So. Just unfortunate because he was killing it. I mean, he's incredible when he's right. So I was going to give it to Zion, LeBron, and Jokic, and uh, there may be an injury replacement. Uh, Okay, so you're seven Western Conference reserves. Yeah, uh, so because I had Steph uh, not in the starting, I'd obviously have him on the reserves Mm -hmm. um, just because the game's missed. Uh, Jaw, obviously, on that uh, is another reserve. And uh, Lillard and uh, Booker for me are those are the last two that round out from the guard spot. Uh, and then uh, I, we didn't I, another. He was on the he was on my list for for possible uh, surprise picks, but um, but uh, Demontis Sabonis, who's been awesome, uh, he's been just I oh he he's on my list. Good, good. Uh, he's on my list. Yeah, I mean he's just he's so he's so fun to watch. Anyways, like if Jokic wasn't like around like people would be talking about Sabonis more but Sabonis is also on the Kings and you know that's just he's just a really fun player to watch right? he's like the beam baby like yeah. yeah so uh so I think so it's him and then uh I guess I, I guess only because uh the Warriors are somewhat afloat that I would give the nod to Jordan Poole in part because he, I think he's the he's been the best player on the team uh, Jordan Poole yeah yeah wow uh-huh uh-huh. You're running out of spots here. I know I'm running out of spots, and then my last—I think I only have what one, one or two more from there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give it to Kawhi. I feel like Kawhi's missed. No, he games. hasn't played enough games. No. Yeah, I, I don't really feel like anybody on the Suns outside of Booker deserves it. Nope. And I guess I, I mean, yeah, I give it to Zion. I just I feel like he's not going to play. So you know, I don't think anybody else really in the West is kind of fitting fitting the spot like. Nobody on the Blazers I would really give it to as nice as they've been so far. Desmond Bain hasn't played enough games. Jalen Green, I'm not going to really reward. No, I don't want to hear the Jalen Green stuff. He's just J.R. Smith 2.0. I don't want to hear it. Exactly. Like Jordan Clarkson, no. Carl Anthony Towns, definitely not. Rudy Gobert, obviously not. So, uh, I mean, yeah, maybe De'Aaron Fox. Like it's – it's, it's, oh it's, well, that, now now you're speaking my language. Okay, okay. you have okay. to rail, rein you in a little bit. So my my first two guards off the bench were Ja and Devin Booker. Then I had Sabonis and Paul George in the front court. Yep. And then my last three were De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard. And Shea Gilgis Alexander. Okay. And because Zion's not going to play, the injury replacement for Zion is none other than Laurie Markinen. Yeah, there you go. Totally fair. Yeah. I mean, right? Like, I feel like the West is a lot easier to dissect than uh, for the the All-Star games than than it is. Well, the the West is because the injury thing is going to, like, they're going to – They'll probably give Anthony Davis a nod if he gets back and he'll opt out for an injury, which will open up another spot. Sure. sure. Right? So they'll they'll do those things, I, I assume. 
But yeah, I, I'm not rewarding Davis just because it's been that long since he's played. I mean, obviously when he's played, he's been tremendous. But also, the Lakers suck, all right? They don't get two guys named to the All-Star game when they're three games out of last place in the entire league. Like, get lost. And that's and that's a part of it for why I'd rather vote for guys like Markin and SGA who are doing more with, with less, yes. essentially. Like, these young, exciting guys. Like, LeBron's going to always get voted to an All-Star game. I just don't need him to be a starter. Like, uh, you know, he'll, he'll you know, whatever. He'll play most of it, so it doesn't matter. It's just... The problem is, though, is that, like, if you look at the West, it's so guard-heavy. Mm-hmm. And you look at the East, it's so front-court-heavy that like, I would love to bump Luka to a forward and slide John a starting in a starting spot. And it opens up another spot or slide SGA up, but that's just right. not the way the, the ballot works. Okay, yeah. so to recap, in the East, Mitchell, I've got Mitchell and Halliburton, Giannis Durant and Bede starting. Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Darius Garland, James Harden. Yep. As my guys, and Julius Randle being the oh, and Drew Holiday is my last selection, and Julius Randle being my first injury replacement. And okay. for the West, I've got Steph, Luca, Zion, LeBron, Jokic, Ja. Booker, De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, shout out to the Kings, Willard, Paul George, SGA, and Laurie Marketing replacing Zion. And yep. so who do you have? So in the East, I have starting, I have uh, Giannis, Tatum, Durant uh, with Mitchell, and who did I say? I, I think I said originally it was Kyrie, right? Just crazy. I can't believe I'm saying that again. But yeah, Kyrie as my starters. Uh, and then I had Embiid. Uh, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Siakam uh, on the bench with uh, Bam, Garland, and and Harden. And I think that was the seven. That yeah, was that was the seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. And then if there was an injury reserve, I'd probably put in Hero, if not Jalen Brunson. Oh, sorry. No, wait, Halliburton. Sorry. Halliburton was in there too. Got it. All right. Yeah. So, and, and the West. In the West, I had – pulling it up. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, Luca and Sh- and SGA starting at uh, starting in the uh, backcourt, and then I had uh, Jokic, George, and Markkanen uh, leading out the front court, and then uh, the bench was Curry, LeBron, Lillard, Jaw, Booker. Um, and I said Jordan Poole, but now I'm, I kind of, I'm, I'm regretting the pick. So I'm going to take Jordan Poole off. Obviously Sabon, Sabonis is in there. All right, um, so you got one more. Yeah. So I got one more. I probably want to put another front court guy in there. I mean, yeah, Zion, but that is Zion and, and Davis. So I guess those two will come in and then, yeah, depending on those, how the injuries shake out there, uh, I guess then. I know we didn't we didn't mention him, but quietly Clay Thompson is putting to himself together a really nice season. Yeah, I just I just want him to be mentioned that he's not my first injury replacement, but he's pretty close to being, you know, a top injury replacement. Also because he deserves some some respect. 
just some career respect. Sure. Yeah, totally get it. And can you answer this question for me on the, if you're voted to an all-star and then you bow out, like, does that go on like your like permanent record, you know, like on your stats? Yeah, it, like, it's, it's in your basketball reference page that you made the team. Okay. And again, that goes the same way if you weren't named, but you became an alternate too? Correct. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. technically, D'Angelo Russell is a one-time All Star. Yeah. Yes. He's got uh, the patch. Yeah. Well, what a, what a, where we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not that easy to make it now. I, I know it's only it's only been a couple of years since he made it with the Nets, but it's a lot more difficult now. It's it's the so league is too way. stacked. It's too stacked, and and at the guard position especially, right? Like at least in the West, right? Like it's crazy that like Dame is like just always going to be an All Star. You know, and, it's and he's just, borderline. He's got a borderline case. Like his yeah. name in, wasn't written in pen for me. Like it's right. right. It's crazy. And then like the fact that like, you know, the fact that Steph missed in my, in my opinion, Steph has missed too many games uh, to have jaw and Shea even battling out for the second spot because of just how good Luca is, even though Luca is really a forward, like he's a forward who just plays point guard. Right. Like it's like, you know, I, I, I wish they changed around the voting on this, but yeah, it's, Hey, look, as we said to kick off the kick off our segment, like it's a good problem to have when you have this many good basketball players. Unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, Avi Wexler, maybe I'm going to see you this weekend, actually, which would be a little crazy. Always good to run into guests in the wild. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing it. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks again to recurring guest Avi Wexler for coming on, being the first guest of 2023, talking about his Patriots, talking about NBA All Star. That's episode 191 for the love of the game. Get well soon. Damar Hamlin, we're rooting for you. And uh, take us out, Rick Ross. Pink bottles keep coming. James Bond, Coop, Pop, Clutch, 100. Vibing to the music. This is how we do it. All night. Reason down the freeway. Just me and my baby. Can I ride? Just me and my boss. No worries at all. Listening to the air. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.